Past Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f***ing Put that in. I don't... So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip. Six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I wouldn't know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember it's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, hey, he is. Out. He's out. Yes, Brad is out. Look at, look at this. Brad is out. And uh, Damon Mann. I don't want to hear to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. This can run cleaner than any baseball business sell the team oh yeah of course this is hour two of the past ball show right here on the mtr radio network john pielli with you uh, lots of stuff we're going to get into but first we're going to start off an interview i recorded this past week with former montreal expos pitcher steve rogers and of course steve ends up winning more games in the history of the Montreal Expos franchise is part of some very good teams in the late seventies and ended up finishing second. And of course, part of the Montreal Expos team that won the second half of the national league Eastern division in the strike shortened season ends up going to the playoffs, pitches three very good games and ends up being brought in in relief, gives up the Rick Monday home running game five, which ends up leading the Dodgers to a world series appearance where they beat the New York Yankees. But Steve right now is involved with Major League Baseball Players Association. It's something he's done after he has, he has finished playing. He was uh, a, a key member of the Players Association during the time they played. And, of course, he had some say in the stuff that was going on with the strike. So hopefully you guys enjoy this spot. Former Montreal Expos pitcher Steve Rogers. This is John Fielli. I'm here with former Major League pitcher Steve Rogers. Steve, what's going on, man? It definitely is, man. Now, you know, first to start out, of course, you you've been a guest that uh, that uh, Billy Staples, uh, the best, uh, you know, outing stuff like that, and of course, you know, it does a lot of good things to help raise money for kids that go, you know, to that look to go to college and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in it and what it means to be part of. Outside the Philly's locker room, and so um, it, you know, it kind of, kind of formed a, 
sounds like it's pretty special and of course you know I had a chance to go down there for the first time this past year in your opinion what do you think separates uh, you know th this type of thing than other charity type of events that you've been part of in your lifetime Well, certainly, uh, uh, 
say that, that I, I am an expo because, you know, I did, and, and what you would is no longer an expo, but now there's not even an expo. <laughs> particularly now in the game. So I'm sure that uh, that end of it is kind of special. Now, of course, with, with the Expos teams, particularly in the late 70s and you get in the early part of the 80s, you're talking about the core players that, you know, you, 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 you got to play with, with, whether it's Andre Dawson, Gary Carter, of course, Tim Raines joins you in the 80s. You know, uh, how, how good did you feel of a team that you had there? Because certainly the amount of talent that was on the field with you and some of the other guys, you, 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 would, you would have thought you would have had a better of a chance to win over that time. Well, we were mathematically limited on the last day of the season three years in a row. Yeah. It's not like we weren't in it. Had there, had, had there been a, uh, uh, a, a wild card system, not like the new one where you have two wild cards, but the wild card system that was in effect for like two decades, because you had one wild card and it went away, we would have been, we would have been in the playoffs in my, in my uh, 12 years. We would have been in the playoffs I think they figured four times. Okay, so four times, and that would have all started in the, in the uh, late 70s. So four out probably six or seven years we've been in the playoffs. That would have been considered, an, you know, a stupendous team. Absolutely. That's, that's a great team. But you had to win your division back then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, we did everything. 
tonight, he absolutely did. Once again, Scott Kelly with Steve Rogers. Now, uh, you know, these these teams that you had, obviously, you know, you know, you, I'm sure a lot of other players feel the same way. And man, couldn't they have just had the, you know, the 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 new playoff system back then? Why 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 couldn't they have changed it in 19, you know, 70 something? But you know, obviously, it had a lot to do with expansion and the amount of teams there and. You know, you even even go back to the to the first time that you know the playoff format changed. I mean, it, it must have sucked even more for those teams that had to win their whole league just to get to the you know the playoffs. So, you know, it's just a I guess a right place and a right time kind of thing. And you know, the players now I guess get the benefit for the chance to you know have five teams in each league make the playoffs. And you know, players get to you know spend many many seasons in the playoffs when they probably wouldn't have in prior years. Certainly, 
And, you know, though the playoff format was a little different, it was hard to, harder to get in the playoffs, you had to win the division, you know, the Expos, for the most part, put up consistently good teams, really, you know, from, from you know, really the, you know, within the first couple of years of your career until, you know, up until maybe the late 80s. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see how good of a farm system they had. And it's not, it's not that easy to, to pick good players, you know, especially with the institution of the draft and everything. That you know, to go out there and bring up bring up quality players year in and year out is something is something an organization should be proud of. Absolutely, and uh, and it was a source of pride. And uh, and uh, you know, the, the Gary Carter trade. Uh, uh, I mean, they got from the Mets four or five quality guys. So I mean, Huey Brooks would have been a shortstop immediately. You had Herm Whittingham was your center fielder automatically. Uh, you know, you had Fitzgerald behind the plate. He wasn't Gary Carter, but he was a solid catcher. I mean, so, so I mean, that one trade, you, you take a star, you know, the future Hall of Famer like Gary, and you acquire three or four day-to-day starters for your team. I mean, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of trade that that really you know is going to help both teams that they carry it most weeks next to a World Series. So I mean, it, it was a win-win for both both organizations. So you have to count the talent, which was Gary, who came out of the organization and then was traded to another organization, and they got significant talent back. It, it really is another way of utilizing the talent you develop. And uh, um, and so even even that trade speaks highly of what the Expos have been able to create. So uh, it, yeah, it was very special. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, you know, you mentioned the kid, you know, guy, you know, obviously rest in peace. You know, what was it like having a chance to play with Gary Carter? Because you hear so many stories about his compassion, but you know, at the same time, he you know he, he cared that much about winning. Uh, what was your best impression impression of having a chance to play with Gary Carter for so long? Well, I, I've said it many times. It, it, I was you know for four years older than Gary, but um, but Gary and I grew up in baseball together, and uh, uh, he was he was a, a raw talent. He was not a catcher in high school. He, he was developed into a catcher. And most of his development was at the major league level. He was just so athletically talented that he was able to to develop behind the plate in the major leagues. Uh, he had some seasoning in the minor leagues, but, I mean, you know, he was in the major leagues at 19. Of course, he didn't catch much. He played some outfield, and, and uh, um, he was basically a bull in a china shop in the outfield. <laughs> Years, my average number of pitches I would shake off in a game would probably about a 
Listen, I want to thank you for having some time. Appreciate you giving me a couple minutes, and uh, you know, hopefully, you stay in touch, and I can speak to you sometime soon. That's a very good spot there, Steve Rogers, of course, the uh, winningest pitcher in the history of the Montreal Expos franchise, and uh, you know, a, a good guy. And I'll tell you one thing that I never hold back on is the fact that I make mistakes when I do this. We have the blooper reel, which eventually we're going to put up. Past ball show, best blooper reel, you know, whole thing. And, uh, you know, I made a mistake by asking Steve the question after, you know, he gives up the home run to Rick Monday, does he regret being in that game? And I think, you know, anybody that has experience doing interviews knows that's probably not the opportune question to ask. And I had to cut that out because it was something that obviously uh, I shouldn't have asked him at all. But, you know, great spot there with Steve Rogers. And we got a lot of great things going on about those Expo teams. Talk about the kid, Gary Carter. 
Uh, but we're going to do is take our first break at this program this hour, and uh, we'll be back with a lot more stuff going on. Passball show, back after this. Are you searching for something different for your child's education? Consider Atlantic Christian School, where faith and quality education meet. Listen to what one of our students has to say about their experience at ACS. Atlantic Christian School is a family. Through one of the toughest years in my life, my ACS family stood beside me. My teachers were loving and supportive, and my friends shined God's love in different ways to make each day brighter. Atlanta Christian has a nurturing academic environment and is a second home to me. I am thankful for the school and family with which God has blessed me. Join us for Open House every Wednesday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at 391 Zion Road in Egg Harbor Township. Or enroll today. Visit us on the web at acseht.org or call 653-1199. Atlantic Christian School, where character, Christ, and community count. I'm Ron Sulpizi from the MTR Sports Report. Not sure where to eat? Then listen to these reviews. Awesome. Amazing Greek food. Everything is fresh. Great family restaurant in the heart of Ocean City. Katina's is an Ocean City staple. When you've had your fill of pizza, cheesesteaks, and ice cream, head for Katina's. Katina's Gyro Restaurant, 501 East 9th Street, Ocean City, New Jersey, 609-399-5525. Check out their website, katinasfoods.com. That's katinasfoods.com. Order their famous Mediterranean dressing, and they'll ship it right to your door. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Katina's Greek Restaurant. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7-24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. M-T-R. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, finishing up the program here. And, you know, as the season ends, like I mentioned before, a lot of teams are going to be looking to see what they have to do to get better in regards to next season and the future. And one team that was supposed to do a lot this season and has been a big disappointment, we talk about all the different disappointments in Major League Baseball, but one of the ones that stands out is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays made a, very, a couple keen trades in this past off season to get themselves in a position where they can consider themselves contenders for the American League pennant race and a potentially even a wild card spot if they don't win the division. And, you know, what has happened is this is a team that just hasn't come together real well. A lot has had to do with the bad starting pitching they've gotten this year. R.A. Dickey aside, who actually has pitched pretty well this year. You know, the other guys that they brought in, Josh Johnson has not gotten the job done. Mark Burley's been okay, but he hasn't been great. Brandon Morrow, a guy who was supposed to be the team's ace, has been hurt for the duration of this season. So the Blue Jays are in a tough situation as they go into the offseason, finishing the season this year pretty similar to the way they finished the seasons in years past. And, you know, you look at guys that they have on a team, and this isn't a situation where – 
all of a sudden general manager Alex Anthopoulos is just going to drop and just forget about things and end up just uh, rebuilding down from scratch. But I do think that there's some players that are very interesting to see if they decide to move or not. And one guy that certainly is going to get some attention, whether he has any interest in moving him or not, not only this offseason but next offseason, is shortstop Jose Reyes. And, of course, Reyes was acquired in that big trade with the Miami Marlins where they got you know five players in exchange for seven younger players and was expected to be a main piece of this franchise that going forward. And let's be honest, I mean – you know, Jose Reyes did a very good job while he was here. And that injury that he had, which made him miss almost two months of the season, uh, the team really had not, not much of a chance. And you could see the spark that Jose Reyes adds to the lineup, his ability to get on base and play a great defensive shortstop is certainly an asset to that team. And I think teams would have to look long and hard to be able to pry him away from the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think this offseason is interesting. I think teams are going to go out there and have some interest in him. But more importantly, next offseason, when you look at teams like the Yankees, who may eventually move on from Derek Jeter, I think it's inevitable. He could play another three, four years, or he may finish this last season you know, here and maybe be a role player next season and be done after that. And I think that puts the Yankees in a position where they certainly would be interested in Jose Reyes. You know, you look at a team that used to have him, had him for several years, uh, the New York Mets. And, you know, it seems very weird that you would propose a possibility that the Mets could go out and trade for a guy that they could have had for nothing in exchange, except for the exception of a contract a couple of years ago. He signs a six-year, $106 million contract, which at the time probably didn't work for the New York Mets. And now the Mets are in a position where they need a shortstop. And one thing I do want to get into, and I'm going to make a little side note about this before I talk about Jose Reyes, how about all you Met fans out there that made such a big deal that thought that it was going to be such an easy transition from having Jose Reyes as your shortstop to Ruben Tejada? How has that turned out for you guys, huh? I mean, you look, you look at a guy, and I've said it all along, I, I didn't think Ruben Tejada was a bad player, but to put him in the same category as Jose Reyes, you're insulting yourself in addition to Jose Reyes. And hopefully within these last couple seasons, Ruben Tejada was okay in 2012. I think he put up respectable numbers, but this year he wasn't, he, he wasn't hitting. I mean, he barely hit 200, if even at all. But, you know, the injuries and you put in the fact that, you know, the guy is, is not mentally there. It doesn't look like he has that ability, that desire, that burning fire inside him to be that kind of player that a team wants to go forward with. And if you've rubbed arms the wrong way with a Sandy Alderson, that means you really must not be going out there and trying to make an example of yourself. And Ruben Tejada has played his way certainly off the New York Mets team. Is the guy done as a player? No. He's only 23. He'll be 24 years old next year. It's not like his major league career's over. But I think he's worn out his welcome with the New York Mets. And the Mets are going to be looking for a new shortstop going into next year. While we talk about free agents that could be out there, Jahani Peralta is going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Jed Lowry, I think, doesn't get enough talk in regards to being a very good player to fit into the system of the New York Mets. Uh, Stephen Drew had a very good year for the Boston Red Sox is certainly an option. And I wouldn't rule out the possibility of a trade for Jose Reyes. Here's the only problem. A, a New York Mets team that could have signed him two years ago and not had to give up anything, uh, you know, even a draft pick to keep him aboard, will all of a sudden have to pay for him not only with the rest of his contract, but 
important players that are going to have to go the other way. And I always say I agree with the whole philosophy of making a fair trade. I don't like the Mongo trades, the ones that go out there and say, hey, give me your best player and let me give up just something I don't want. So obviously if the New York Mets would ever consider it, and I don't know if they will, maybe they'll go with a Lowry, who I think is the best option over Peralta and Drew right now as a free agent, or maybe there's another move out there. I'm not going to get into Troy Tulowitzki, who I think is going to cost way too much for any team to go out there and trade for him. Plus, you got to pay the guy. You know, Troy Tulowitzki's contract goes way longer than Jose Reyes's. And I know Tulowitzki is a much better player. If anybody had a choice of who they want on their team, all the days of the fantasy baseball era – you know, you would want Tulowitzki over Reyes. I understand that. But in regards to Reyes, do the Mets want to even consider making a move for him? That the problem will be is they'll have to give up something special, something very important, something that they would like to go forward with, uh, you know, and, and get Jose Reyes back. Uh, Zach Wheeler is certainly a player that the Toronto Blue Jays would want back as part of the package, and it probably would not, it might not be enough. And the Mets, you know, obviously in their fans, you see everything going on with Matt Harvey. Will he pitch next year? Will he not pitch next year? You know, it's very interesting to see, you know, you know how a team would be willing to give up a Zach Wheeler in a trade like that. So I don't think that's possible. But one guy that I will put in there is a possibility, and I think a very distinct possibility, it creates options on both sides, would be Noah Syndergaard. And Noah Syndergaard, of course, was acquired by the New York Mets from the Toronto Blue Jays in ERA Dickey trade. And, of course, the Blue Jays were very high on him. It's not like the Mets swooped in and got a guy that they didn't value very, very um, you know, high. So, uh, you know, would the Blue Jays be interested in bringing Syndergaard back? Now you got a full year of development under his belt, a guy who probably will start the year at either double-A AA or triple-A and make his major league debut at some time next year. And the question is, how good is Noah Syndergaard going to be? Is he going to be another Wheeler? Is he going to be another Harvey? Is he going to be in that, you know, that pedigree or that type of discussion? I think that all remains to be seen. But if the Toronto Blue Jays value a Syndergaard like that, would that be a player that the New York Mets could possibly send to Toronto as part of a package like that. And I think I think you know the you know you look at both sides of it. You look at the Toronto Blue Jays and say, "Hey, Jose Reyes is brought here to be a franchise player. Why would I want to trade him after one season?" So I get that part. But then you'd also get the other side of the Mets fans discussion of why would I want to part with Noah Syndergaard? And it obviously would not be just Noah Syndergaard going the other way. It would be a situation where you'd have to maybe package in a Ruben Tejada or an Ike Davis or somebody like that to go to Toronto and help them on the immediate side as opposed to the future. Now, if, if I proposed a deal that said Jose Reyes to the New York Mets for Noah Syndergaard and Ruben Tejada, would that be enough or would that be too much? I think it's something that you know could be discussed both ways. If you're if you're a Met fan, you may say, "Hey, well, that's a little too much to give up." I understand we don't want Tejada, but Syndergaard's going to be a, a a staple in the Mets rotation for years to come. Now you have to give up something to get something, obviously. And I don't I don't want to talk about you know with these fans that just want to see better players come this way and nobody leave here that has any talent. It's not the way Major League Baseball works. You know, trades have to be fair. Trades have to work out for both teams. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any sense to do them. You know, no, no team is going to go out there. This isn't the Kansas City Athletics of the 1960s and early 70s. This isn't a situation where these teams are, are working essentially as a farm system to help and benefit another organization. But, you know, you know the Met fan may say, all right, well, Jose Reyes and what? You know, if you end up getting a pitcher back, whether it's a J.A. Happ or a Ricky Romero or a Brett Cecil, 
does that suffice you if you're a Mets fan? And, and if you're a Toronto, a Toronto Blue Jays fan, you may not want to part with Reyes whatsoever. So what would it take for you to say, okay, I would give up Jose Reyes in this type of trade, but you have to give me this, this, and this. Maybe the Blue Jay fan goes out there and says, hey, maybe a little bit more. Maybe Ike Davis and Tejada to go with Syndergaard for Reyes. And obviously the Met fan would counter and say, listen, you have to give up something back. And that's maybe where you could come with an agreement that maybe it's, it, it becomes a six or seven player trade that ends up making this happen and make both teams happy. I think the Toronto Blue Jays want to be competitive next season. I don't think they want to put themselves in a position where they're going to be uh, projected to finish last place like they did this year. But I think it's a situation that the Blue Jays could make a deal for Jose Reyes and strengthen themselves in other areas. If they're able to add a guy like Ike Davis to play first base, you talk about, all right, well, you know what? Joey Bats is probably going to either be right field or DH. Edwin Encarnacion is probably the everyday DH. You also have Adam Lind, you know, the whole thing. And maybe you work out a deal that maybe Lind comes back to the, towards the Mets. The Mets maybe solidify a position at first base in this same deal. Ike Davis over Adam Lind, I think you would, you would probably want to take your chance on Ike Davis and what you could get in the future uh, in a trade like this. But I do think it's interesting. Feel free to tweet at me, at John underscore Pielli. Do you want Reyes back on the Mets? Do you not? Uh, do you think that there's any way, if you're a Toronto Blue Jay fan, that you would ever consider the team trading Jose Reyes? I also want to hear from you there. Another thing I do want to get into before we hit another break here is Lucas Duda. Lucas Duda, first baseman for the Mets, you know, has not really come around as a big-time power hitter, and part of it has had to do with the fact that he really doesn't have a position on the field and is probably not a National League player. You've seen him play the outfield over the last couple seasons. He had that, that 50 RBI run at the end of the 2011 season after the Mets traded Carlos Beltran. Didn't look terrible in the outfield. Looked terrible in the outfield last year and this year, both in right field and left field. And it seems to take its toll on him at the plate. Here's a guy that takes a lot of pitches, has certainly seen his share of fastballs right down the middle that he's looked at when he probably could be swinging and maybe able to hit for some more power. Here's a guy that's a very good on-base percentage guy. He's going to take his walks. He's, a, he's got a very good keen eye of the strike zone and would have some value to another team in the American League. And one team that I do want to point at that I think would be an absolute fit for Lucas Duda would be the Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics like we talk about all the time, are so high on this money ball thing, on base percentage, on base percentage. And you bring in a guy like Lucas Duda when you don't have a bona fide everyday DH, and you put him in there and you run him out there for 140, 150 games as the DH, he's going to take his share of pitches. He's also going to hit his share of home runs. And maybe with some pieces built around him, like a Cespedes, like a uh, Brandon Moss, like a Josh Donaldson, you know, some of the other pieces that are built around him could allow for Lucas Duda to succeed as, as an everyday DH. And I think the Oakland Athletics would certainly be interested in him because they look at what he makes a year. He's obviously on progression. He's, I think, first-time salary arbitration eligible this year, if I'm not mistaken, if not next year. So they're in a spot where they're going to be able to pay him a very little amount of money for the next couple of years. And that certainly is a coup if you're Billy Bean in the Oakland Athletics organization. Now, if you end up, if you're the Mets, what do you want back for Lucas Duda? That's where the Mets would probably have a problem because his value is down. And the Oakland Athletics obviously want to thrive on getting players when their value is down. And maybe the Mets could get a pitcher out of it. Maybe the Mets could get a useful type of utility player, a guy that they could platoon maybe in there offensively. Maybe a starting pitcher, something like that. But I do expect to see 
Lucas do to trade it. And if I had a choice of what team that I think would be the perfect fit for Lucas Duda, it would be the Oakland Athletics. Maybe Tampa Bay comes a you know distant amount of second. You know, a, a team that could use him as a DH, may not be looking to pay their guys a whole ton of money and could kind of slide him in there and maybe have a similar success over there. But Lucas Duda, if I had a choice of where what team would be the best beneficiary of having his services, I would go with the Oakland Athletics. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Take our last break of the hour, finish up the program after this. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two. You're listening to MTR Radio. We have ignition. Strap in. You're about to listen to the hottest sounds on MTR Radio. You're listening to MTR Radio. A flipping out radio production. And you've got it. Hot, 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 hot. Blaze, blaze in the steel. Always covering the most current topics today. Check us out on mtrradio.com. We will offer packages to advertise on our website and on MTR Radio. Get your name in front of over five and a half million people. Advertise on MTR today. Email info at mtrmedia.com for details. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this program so far. One thing I do want to get into, and I'm going to do play a little game here because I record this show, obviously, prior to Saturday morning when the show airs. And, and I'm going to get into who I think is going to be in the playoffs. I think it's set in the National League, but the only thing that has to be determined is the order, what team's going to win the National League Central, and what teams are going to be playing for the wild card. I'm going to go right here with, the Cincinnati Reds winning this division. And I think the Reds can beat the Mets. I think they're in a situation where they're, they, they're going to have some games against the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is going to be very interesting. And if they could beat the Pirates, they obviously will increase their chances. And going into this weekend series, Pirates-Reds, it's going to be very interesting because if one of those teams sweeps, that gives them a very good chance of taking the division, not only having home field in a wild card playing game. So I think that's going to be very interesting to look at. I think the Reds can run the table. I think they can, they have they have the best team. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are in a position where they got a couple games left against the Washington Nationals. I don't think it's a guarantee. The Nationals are still going to play hard. I think they're 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 in a situation where they bring the level of competition, even when they're not at their best, even when they're not going they're not going into the postseason. I think they're going to give the Cardinals a hard time. And of course, you know that the the you know the Cardinals are in a situation where uh, they they have the advantage right now which I, I don't know if it is such so much of an advantage you got two teams underneath you that are scrapping and clawing and you got that two game lead uh going into the last couple games i don't think it's so much of a guarantee and we'll see if i'm right see if it, you know when, when you're hearing this right now the cincinnati reds are the national league central champions and the cardinals and the pirates are playing that one game playoff which i think will be interesting i think it will be held 
at St. Louis, but I think it would be great to see it the, the one game played in Pittsburgh. So if the Pittsburgh Pirates lose, it's still something that they could kind of move on towards next year. In regards to the American League, you know, you got the division set, obviously, with Boston and Detroit and Oakland. You got three teams essentially fighting for two spots with the Kansas City Royals hanging in there. The Yankees are probably out. The Baltimore Orioles are probably out, though at the time that I'm recording this, they're mathematically alive. I think it's a situation where essentially they all have, they have to win out, and one of these other teams, and two of, maybe two of these other teams, have to go out there and lose a lot over the last week or so. So I think it's going to come down to the three teams that are still you know left and vying for those two spots. You got the Rays, you got the Rangers, you got the Cleveland Indians, and one team I'm going to go with because I picked them to make the playoffs this you know this past off season, the Cleveland Indians. I'll put them in the playoffs, and you got the Rays and the Rangers. And I think it's interesting to see the Rays and the Rangers have struggled. They made this a race. They've essentially allowed the Cleveland Indians to have a very good chance going in to get themselves to the postseason. And I think the Rays have very good pitching. I like what the Texas Rangers have done. Both teams have struggled, particularly the Rangers. And I think it's a situation where you look at what happened last year with Texas and how they stumbled into the playoffs and lost the game against uh, Baltimore in the one-game playoff. I see them missing the playoffs this year. So I think it's going to be Tampa Bay and Cleveland making it with uh, Tampa Bay having the, the home field advantage. So we'll see how that works out. We'll see if the Cincinnati Reds win the National League Central Division. Of course, the Cardinals and the Pirates are going to make the playoffs with the Reds regardless, but it's interesting to see how the order is. And we'll see if we're talking playoffs going into next week, who has the best chance, whether it's going to be Tampa Bay and Cleveland, like I said, or Texas could have a very good chance of getting in there. But listen, want to thank everybody for tuning in. Certainly want to thank Willie Montanez, Ethan Chapman, and of course, Steve Rogers for being part of the program. Next week is going to be a great show. We're going to celebrate the 100th episode of the Past Ball Show right here on the MTR Radio Network. I got a lot of interesting things planned. Hopefully, you guys enjoy that. And we'll be back with you next week right here. Past Ball Show, MTR Radio Network. This is John Pielli. Enjoy the rest of your day.